um, we as a church have been studying the book of Mark for a while and we've been talking about Jesus the King. And I'm actually going to jump ahead a bit to cover some stuff. So you're even ahead of our church, so you should feel good about that. Um, And uh, we're looking at, because the point of the camp and kind of this week is who is Jesus? You're probably not going to ask a more important question in your life than that. It might seem irrelevant, but who is Jesus is probably the most important question you'll ever ask. So uh, I'm going to begin from Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and we've got a, a bit of a story about Jesus' healing, which is a bit of a strange one, because Jesus, often when he heals, he just heals someone and they're healed. But this was kind of a, a two-stage healing. That's a bit odd, isn't it? And then we're going to talk about what that means, and then we're going to talk about who the disciples think Jesus is, and uh, it, that's, it's all exciting. So just, just know this is exciting. Good. Um, so Mark eight twenty two is that up there? Yep. Good. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a, bri- a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat or spit in the man's eyes, he put his hands on him, and Jesus said, asked, "Do you see anything?" He looked up and said, "I see people." but they're like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Okay. First, we want to look at the miracle because it's it's important to see. You see, in Mark's gospel, often when he performs a miracle... The miracle is pointing to some other truth that's going on around them. Does that make sense? The miracle is like, there's this time where it's really weird. He, he sees a fig tree. It's a nice bushy fig tree and it's got no fruit on it. So he curses it. And later on that day, they come back or the next day and the, fruit trees are, the fig trees are all dead. And you think, what's that about? But something happens in between that time. They walk into this temple, this beautiful temple, all covered in gold, and it looks lovely, and it's full of crooks. And Jesus turns over the tables, you know, he knocks them all everywhere. And you see, there's this beautiful temple, this great religious thing going on, there's no fruit in it, it's like a bushy tree. And in the end, that temple's going to disappear, isn't it? So, well, all I'm saying, sorry, I've gone on a tangent already, but the... The miracle he does, which in that case is kind of a, a tree dying miracle, points to something that's going on at the time. Now what's happening here is he heals a man. Well, he heals him partially. He can kind of see, but he's going like, well, they look like people, but well, they could be trees, you know. And then he touches him again and he can see clearly. There's a progressive gaining of sight because there's a progressive 
revelation from God coming here through the book of Mark. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Now, what we've been saying in our series, which the first part of the first half of Mark, has been Jesus is the King. Now, the Gospel of Mark starts with Jesus saying, The kingdom of God has come. In other words, the king's here, he's the king. Now, I'm not going to say this, but just say I turned up tonight and I said, Hey, everybody, I'm the king. How are you feeling about that? One of you might say, king of what? Is that a fair question? (laughs) What do you rule over? Okay, where's your authority? Are you king over Charles? What's the go here? What are you king of? That would be a fair question, wouldn't you say? Right, so Jesus appears and the king has arrived. What's he the king over? And then what happens is Jesus starts talking to the people, he starts teaching them, and he starts doing miracles that go along with that. Okay, And he shows that he's the king over human beings because he says to his disciples, follow me. And this incredible thing happens. Do you know what happens? They follow him. If I walked past you and said, hey, follow me, I know how that's going to turn out. Rejection. Yeah, But I'm used to it. It's okay. Don't feel bad. He's the king over people. And then he, um, he is a demon-possessed man comes and starts throwing a fit. And Jesus tells the demon, get out. And guess what happens? He gets out. So he's got the king who's got authority over the powers of darkness. And the devil comes to tempt him. And he got, he has, he's having none of that. He's got authority over the powers of darkness. And then he's faced with sick people. And what does he do to them? Yeah? He heals them. He heals them, doesn't he? So he's got authority over our bodies. And then he redefines the law of God. That's what we had last week in our message. He is the only one who truly understands the law of God. And then he amends. They they bash a hole in the roof one time because the house is too crowded. And they lower a man down. We had this sermon a few weeks ago with Bruce. And and they, and and Jesus looks at him. You'd think if you had a paralysed man on a mat, what, what do they want Jesus to do? They want him to heal him. But that's not what he does. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the people get all antsy about that and go, he can't forgive sins. And God can forgive sins. And he says, okay, if I heal him, that will prove that I have the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he heals him. A man who has been not able to walk gets up like he... Imagine if, you, you know, if you've been paralysed for years, you don't even have muscles, do you? You can't walk, you're all wasted away. And this wasted away man gets up, picks up his, picks up his bed and walks out of there. How cool is that? Because Jesus is the king who has authority to forgive sins. And then another time they're in the boat and a big storm comes up. Yeah? And what does Jesus say? He, he says in Greek, he only says two words, quiet. Be still. That's three in English. And the waves stop and the wind stops and the thunder stops. He's the king over all of creation. Yeah? And then he, he, there's a little girl who has died and he raises her from the dead. He's the king over life and death. This is awesome. And then he's got 5,000 people who are all starving and out in the country and they've got nothing to eat. 
And somehow he does this miracle where they all got enough bread and fish for 5,000 people. Yeah? He has authority over providing and over providing food for people. What I'm saying is this. Jesus spoke to the people. He taught about who he was and he did these miracles and they knew something very important. This bloke's the king. The promised one. The one in the Old Testament that they called the Messiah who would come and have authority over all these things. How do we know that what the words he say are true? Have a look at the miracles. This bloke, he's not just some charader like me saying I'm the king. This guy is the king over what? Over everything. Do you get that? He proved it. He's the king over everything. What else is there apart from what he's... I mean, I can't think of anything that he hasn't got authority over in that. Maybe you can think of something. Okay. Now we come to this bit about blurry vision. Because you see, what happens here is that they understand the disciples. They've been following him around for a few years. And they've seen all of that. And you know when they say the penny drops? It's like the coin goes ding. You know, in the cartoon, the light bulb goes on. We get it. You are the Messiah, says Peter. That's who you are. The promised one. Uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel, it says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's really getting it. He, Peter understands it. They know. Now, they know what a king's going to do, don't they? Well, they think they do. What sort of king do you want? This is the blurry vision. This is where they haven't quite got it yet, and I'll come back to this in a minute. You see, they were a country ruled by another country at that time. They were ruled over by the Romans. And the Romans were flogging their money, flogging their goods, doing whatever they like. So if you had a new king who can do anything, what would you first want him to do? Get rid of the Romans. Yep. And sit on the throne, have an unbeatable army. Hey, he can, he can do miracles. The army comes, just get rid of them. Yep, that's what they want. Um, and you know what? We don't have to work all the time for stinking food. He's just going to reply. He's just going to supply it for us. This is going to be cool, yeah. And he heals people, and they don't die. So there's going to be eternal life. We want this kingdom. Bring it on. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you see, what they saw, the disciples, everything, all of our problems are fixed by what this man's been doing. His miracles. They're our problems. We've got earthly enemies. He's over them. We have day-to-day needs. He's over them. We have sickness. We have work. We have death. He's over all of them. Yep. It might be a similar answer if I were to ask you this. What's wrong with the world today? And you might say, well, there's some evil people, maybe Russia or something like that, evil bloke doing bad stuff. Yeah, there's some evil people giving us a hard time. What's wrong with today? What's our problem? We have to work. Uh, We've got enemies. We get sick. Yeah, that's our problems, isn't it, that we face? That's what they were seeing. But you see, Jesus was about to give them the bit more clarity into what sort of king he was because there was something they'd missed and it was they'd missed the bigger problem in their lives. They saw things kind of what was going on around them, but there was a bigger problem that they had. And this is where Jesus was going to do the full revelation of what's going on. So I'm reading on in the story in verse 31. 
Then he began to say, you are the Christ, son of the living God, Jesus. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. He started to teach them that he had to die. More than that, actually, he started to teach them that very soon he was going to be killed. Yeah, What's that? we didn't hear that when Charles became king, did we? No. He, like, and worse than that, not by the mongrel Romans, but he's going to be killed by our own religious leaders. That's not right. What sort of king does that? That's not what I call ruling. Okay, You can do all this stuff, Jesus, and now you're saying you have to die. That's not what we expected. It's definitely not what we wanted. So, Because we've been following you for the power that you have. Not to go to Jerusalem and die. What's with that? So he began to teach them that. He spoke plainly about this, verse 32 says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, Peter was one of his closest friends, one of his disciples. He took him aside and started to tell him off. He's given Jesus the king of all the tell-off. Yeah, there's no humour there. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, that's a burn, a big burn, isn't it? He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Or you don't have in mind the things of God, you've got in mind the things of man. So Peter's not happy about what Jesus is saying. He takes him aside and he says, what's this about you dying? Because that's not what's going to happen, right? No one ever heard the bit about, and I'll rise again three days later. That kind of blocked out. Death kind of makes you not hear the next bit of the sentence anyway, doesn't it? But um, So Peter says, no way is this going to happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know if anyone's ever said anything like that to you. It kind of would give you a bit of a shiver, wouldn't it? I mean, it's not just like he could say, Peter, look, you're a bit wrong here. <laughs> That's not what he says. He said, you know that thought, Peter, where you said, I don't have to die, that comes from the devil himself. Ouch. It's worth stopping for a minute. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to, you know, we know he was crucified on a cross. Why did that have to happen? Because when Jesus died, when he was crucified, he was actually dealing there with the bigger problem that we have. We see our problems in light of food and sickness and not having enough to go around and stuff like that. But you see, when he died, he died for our sins. Do you understand that? He died to bear our sins. We're not that sinful, are we? It's a bit mean if I said... Hey, Jack, I'm picking on someone, you know, I don't know any of your names. I could have said, hey, Liza, but hey, Jack, your sin is so bad that the Son of God has to die for you. That's a bigger burn, isn't it? Put your own name there. Because I would say Jack's not a bad person, really. He's pretty good. A few little faults. Actually, not quite a few. We'll tell you about them later. But that's, that's not the time now. Um, you're so sinful that the Son of Man had to die for you. God sent his Son... And in his death, he took the punishment that was owed to us. And not only that, 
He, that's gift number one. He took the punishment we deserve. Gift number two is he gave us perfect righteousness. How cool is that? And what did we do for that? Nothing. What did we do to deserve it? Nothing. We did, there was something, I can proudly say, I contributed something to my salvation. Do you know what it was? I was a sinner. <laughs> I sinned. And I, I got it wrong. Yeah. That's, that's me. That's the best I could do. But Jesus took our sin and gave us a restored relationship. You see, he wasn't just saying, Jack, I'm going to cleanse him so he's a nice cleansed Jack. The problem is with Jack, you should see, because he's got sin, he can't relate to God. He can't know God because his sin blocks out that relationship. So by God forgiving Jack through Jesus on the cross, Jack can now be reconciled, restored to God and have a perfect relationship with him. How good's that? So what stands now, supposing, and it's true, that Jack has faith in Jesus Christ, what stands between him and God? Nothing. What will ever stand between Jack and God? Nothing. So, Jack, one day, will be able to approach the most holy God with confidence because there is no wall, there's nothing where God's going to say, oh, by the way, Jack, you stuffed up there, you got that wrong, you did that wrong, because it's all been washed away by Jesus, 100%. Okay, so God saw the bigger problem of humanity is our hearts. Where does evil come from? Our hearts. What did Jesus do? He didn't just wash our hearts. It says he took away our heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. He renewed us completely so that we are perfected and we can know God. So when Satan was talking to Peter, putting words in his mouth saying, don't, tell him not to go to the cross. He was like, tell him not to deal with the biggest problem that humanity's ever got. Do you understand? God had a plan to save us. Okay. Now, the disciples were thick. We would have been too, by the way. They know we're just as dumb as them. So you'll find if you read the rest of Mark's Gospel, about every chapter from now on, <coughs> he repeats what he just said. So if you go to chapter 9, verse 30, it says, They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because of his because he was teaching the disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then at the end of chapter 10, we're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, we rise. He has to keep telling them, but they don't get it. They got it when they saw Jesus raised from the dead. That's when they got it. That's what he was doing. Then they understood this was God's plan. Okay, so we need a king who's all-powerful, but we need a saviour. And the saviour we have is the one who saves us through his death on the cross. This is a really serious truth that we need to hear. Because, you see... Our sin is serious. It, it caused Jesus to have to die. But if Jesus died for our sins, how many of our sins did he get rid of? I know we've already said this, but let's say it again. 
Did he, did he say, look, I'll make you good and then you're going to have to try really hard to keep yourself good? No, he washed away all our sins. All, with a capital all. Okay? 100%. Because if he did 99% of our sins, we're finished. We can't face God. One, did he die just for the sins up to now? What happens to the sins you're going to do tomorrow? Did he die for them? Yeah, right. Can you hear this? Jesus forgave all of our sins, once and for all. How do we receive this? What's this good thing? Obviously, you've got to give me money. If you, you don't need to give me money. Just give me your bank account numbers and PIN numbers at the end of the night. That'll be cool. That's a joke. Just get me right. I tell funny jokes, you know. I, I was... Um, Jodie, my wife, told me I was addicted to, to brake fluid, but I said, I can stop any time. Um, anyway. Wow. Hard audience. <laughs> How do we receive all the gifts of God? By believing. By faith. By trusting in what God's done. You can trust in what God's done and all of that forgiveness forevermore is yours. Some of the people will get that joke in a minute. Right, that's what's happening? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> ah, now they go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, through trusting in what Jesus has done, believing in him as our saviour, we receive all of that. Do you get it? All of it. It means giving up on ourselves. When we say Jesus is Lord or Jesus is King, what we're, there's, a, there's a flip side to that. We're saying, I'm not Lord and I'm not King. Yep, I give up on that. We're not, we can't, you know, sometimes people say, make Jesus Lord. You can't make him Lord, he's already Lord, right? You're better off just accepting it because he is ruling over all things. You understand that? Trust in him. He is the king and the one who has forgiven all our sins. Trust in him. Because even today, we have Christians who want Jesus the victorious king. They want the spoils, you know, they want good health and lots of food and endless life and no enemies and peace and all that sort of stuff. But they don't want the cross. They're a bit like Peter because of what it means to them. It means about us, really. What it means. We're so sinful. We needed Jesus to die for us. So we need a king and we've got one. We need a saviour. You can trust in him and you can be saved. We have, through him, eternal life. I really want to encourage you. I haven't talked about Jesus, our friend, but we're going, to, we're going to do some of that. But because what happens, you see, is when Jesus cleanses you up, he, the Holy Spirit's poured out on us and we know God with us. He's right there with us all the time, guiding us and empowering us and strengthening us and giving us everything we need for life. And the Holy Spirit teaches us about what Jesus did and he teaches us that you've got a father. <clears throat> Holy Spirit's awesome. You've got a friend for life. Okay, but that's... Uh, that's for this week. The greatest gift to humanity, the greatest joy you will ever have, the deepest peace you will have, the most fulfilment and satisfaction will come when you know what Jesus has done for you fully 
and when you live in a relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus has done. Your life will be full of joy whatever you face. Whatever the hardship, you will have a solid foundation that nothing can take away when you know that Jesus has saved you. You'll have a purpose and a reason for living. You'll know who you are. You're children of God. You've restored, you've been restored to him in everything. What I want to encourage you to do this week, we're sort of talking about who is Jesus? Think it through. I would encourage you to really deeply think through that. Who is Jesus? I'd encourage you to really think if he actually is his king and saviour and friend. And I would encourage you to turn to him, to turn away from yourself really, to turn to him, because in him is life. And when I say life, I don't just mean life after you die, I mean life now. It's what you're made for. Okay? I encourage you to think that through. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus. We thank you that when we were lost, when we were against you, that you saved us purely by your grace, purely because of your love. Thank you that you sent your son to die for our sins. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of each person here that we might understand that, that we might more than understand, that we might know it and live in it and live in the great joy and peace it is to know you as King, as Saviour and as Friend. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.